Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sunday Soccer Show with Schmidt and Greg. Presented to you by the Patterns of Play podcast. We are recording on a Monday, as we always say. It's our show, we get to do what we want. Uh, But Schmidt, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. We are T-minus one week and a day to my preseason So all of the shenanigans will be ensuing soon. So I'm just trying to keep my, keep my stuff organized and and get into the season. That's exciting though. It is. It it very much is. Fingers crossed. COVID doesn't change anything on us again, but I know it will. So in the meantime, let's talk about some soccer. We had the Community Shield be played this past weekend, which was winner of the Premier League versus winner of the FA Cup. Manchester City, your Premier League champions from last year, and then Leicester City, your FA Cup winners from last year. Um, very entertaining game. Schmidt, I'm not sure. Were you able to watch this at all? I did, yeah. I felt that it was very competitive. Both sides had some pretty exciting chances especially Lester in the first half uh where i felt zach stefan kind of stood on his head a few times to, to keep this a nil nil game um which i felt awesome for him to be a you know a starter in this game and, and play the entirety of it and it's hard to end up losing a game off of a pk so late um so not something i feel that can be faulted on him no, uh, and he al- he almost saved it too. Yeah, especially because he kept them in the game. Um, but I love to. We'll get to this a little bit later in the show. I just love to keep seeing U.S. men's national players now playing at the highest possible level, uh, and we're gonna have a few more kind of popping up as I feel the next few weeks are finishing up with with the transfer window and where they'll end up. So. Exciting to see him. Uh, Pep went with a very young squad. Again, still managing players from from Euros and from all these tournaments over the summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he had a couple players in there who were in their teens. We saw Jack Grealish get his debut for them. Um, Give me your thoughts. You know, what did you... This is technically a preseason friendly, but there's hardware on the line. Now, do you feel in the end here, Lester wins that one nil on the PK, uh, that this is anything that should be worrisome towards Man City? Do you feel like Pep didn't fully commit much to this, just kind of use it as another game to get ready for the season? Yeah, I, th- I think there's an element of that preseason vibe to it just in terms of certainly the team that city played with also quite a bit of rust evident on both teams but particularly man city there were some very sloppy giveaways in midfield and possession that made uh, or that gave lester opportunities to counterattack, and they're a good team when they're in that type of situation stefan played really well i thought schmeichel was also good the moments he was called on so i think it was one of those games that honestly it could have gone either way. Um, and like you said, the penalty settles it late on. I don't know how many 
conclusions you can draw from a game where, you know, especially City wasn't playing their best lineup. Uh, but I'm, again, I think Leicester too are just, they're a solid team. They're going to be difficult to beat at any point. Uh, and so I didn't, I saw it more as a, a game of two evenly matched teams, whereas I'm sure some people saw it as Leicester being underdogs there. But I don't know. I, don't, I try not to take too much stock from preseason games and a bunch of the Premier League teams have been involved in them in the last week. Um, you know, like the other day, Spurs beat Arsenal. Do I think that is going to mean anything for how our season is going to go? Probably not. I mean, it's still good not still to lose. It, <laughs> it's good not to lose those types of games. But again, it's every team is just kind of tuning up, and even the first couple weeks of the Premier League season, there's going to be rust there because uh, you're going to have a lot of tired players. To your point, so many international tournaments between the Euro and the Olympics. A lot of teams really aren't going to get up to speed until probably a, a month into the season. Now, looking at the two teams, uh, the, Leicester has had Jamie Vardy lead that line for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. And then we have Manchester City, who in this one, they played you know, a false nine. Um, Pep likes to play that false nine, uh, especially now with Sergio Aguero leaving. You know, he'll have Gabriel Jesus still, but let's look at both of these teams. So obviously Vardy's going to continue leading that line. Ian Nacho is the one who gets the goal for them. And I feel over the past couple of years, he has progressed in the amount of minutes he's gotten and the amount of goals that he's scored. Do you feel that this could be a season that Ian Nacho maybe breaks out if he's provided the opportunity at Leicester? Slash, do you think he needs to go somewhere else because Vardy's just always going to be in front of him? I don't know. I'd argue he kind of broke out a little bit already last year. He was he was very good for them last season. He had a couple – there were periods where he was getting regular runs in the team, either instead of Vardy or with Vardy even. Um, and I th- I think he's starting to show the quality he's capable of. I don't – I don't know that it has to be a case of either or. I think we're really used to teams kind of having that one attacker that they just rely on all the time. But I think, you know, there's there's room and a necessity certainly for a team like Leicester to have more than one guy who's capable of putting the ball in the back of the net. And I I don't think he necessarily has to leave there to get his opportunities and still be able to make an impact. And I think... You know, Vardy's not getting any younger if he's – and Iannaccio is, you know, time is on his side age-wise. If he's patient, stays there, keeps keeps doing the work, you know, he's the heir apparent to Vardy whenever Vardy is ready to hang up the boots. So I, I don't know that he necessarily needs a move. I think he'll have a good season again because he's clearly very confident. Um, I think it's one of those things where I wonder if City is even looking at that and is like, should we have let him go given our current striker situation? But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he needs to move uh, to have a to have a good season where he puts up good numbers. I think Leicester's a good team for him. Yeah, he the past two seasons he's gone, you know, twelve starts with five goals, and then last season sixteen with twelve goals, which is a really good return. Yeah, steady um, improvement too. So if I feel like this year, if he gets a decent run out, gets 25 starts in there on the season, you know, he could be 
bumping up on that 20 goals mark this year, which I think would be a huge help for that team. Yeah. Um, which will, they're in, they're going to be in champions league, right? I mean, they were top, yes. top four last year, so they're going to need uh, somebody. No, no, I don't think so. I think they actually, let me go to the, let me go to the tape here. Go to the tape. Well, live fact checking. I think they, at the last second dropped out of it, but I could be wrong. <clears throat> Either way, they I mean they must be in Europa then. Certainly in Europa League, yes. So either way they're gonna be playing they a will lot, have a lot of games. Ball, yeah. So having him as that extra depth man for them up top will be huge. I know they brought in uh DACA, I think, this summer as well. Yes. So that's another Another player to look out for on Leicester's side, who seem to have a lot more depth up top than their counterparts in uh, Manchester City. Um, watching this game, it definitely showed they they still are able to create with the way that they have very fast, quick, speedy players on the outside. They try to get to the end line. They try to cut back. They they use that false nine as a way to pull center backs out of the space in the middle area. Um, but they definitely lacked an actual target presence in mm-hmm. this game. So we're, of all the money they've spent, uh, obviously spending over $100 million on Grealish, do you think it would have been better served for them to prioritize Harry Kane or do they have an alternative somewhere right now that you think they might be looking to bring in at the striker position for this season? From what I've seen, I think eventually they will make a bid for Kane, whether it's anything near what we would accept for him is, is another conversation entirely. I do think they maybe were trying to play it cool a little bit at the beginning of the summer and see if they could uh, get us to kind of come down off of our price tag of floating around 150. Um, And I just don't think that's worked. So, you know, at this point, no bid has come in. They haven't really officially tried. Pep has given some comments where he's like, oh, yeah, of course we'd be interested in Harry Kane. He's a great player. But they haven't, you know, put up or shut up, if if you will. I think of elite striker talent out there, Kane is one of the only ones who, like, clearly wants to leave his club. I don't think you're getting Lewandowski off Bayern. Uh, Aguero seems seems pretty upset about his decision to go to Barca. Maybe he'll figure out a way to weasel out of that contract and go back to Man City. But um, I just don't know who... If they go for a striker, I think they'll go for Kane. I just don't know if the cost is going to be too prohibitive for them. Yeah, that would be a lot of money for them to throw around when they're already always under investigation, I feel like. So yes and no, though, because they actually have had a decent amount of outgoing players to the point where I don't think that like they might've been able to buy Grealish just with the profits from players that they sold because they actually have moved a decent amount of players in the last year or so and, Mm -hmm. and recouped a decent amount of money for that. So I don't, I don't think it's a case of them spending net 
250 mil on Kane and Graylish. I think Graylish was covered at least a decent portion by players that they that they sent out the door. Um, so I mean, I, I I wouldn't put it past them to have the money. I just I just don't know if. Obviously, there's a couple weeks left in the window. Anything could happen up to the last day, all that jazz. But they don't. If they want Kane, they don't seem to be pushing it particularly aggressively. And I feel like they are shortchanging themselves of the time to do that negotiation. And the closer it gets to deadline day, the less likely Levy is going to want to entertain anything. So. Hmm. Fair enough. I think if they obviously if they can balance it out that way then there is maybe more of a reality to the Kane move coming. It's you know, does, does your side of the coin with Levy actually wiggle on his stance of how much money the, that he's looking to bring in, or is he going to hold firm, which if Kane's going to come in and play, why not hold firm to what you want for he's, that player? There's, the thing is with this scenario we have all of the negotiating power. Kane has three years left on his contract. He's a Tottenham player. He is one of the best in the world. If you want him, you have to pay for him. I personally don't believe that a 28-year-old striker with an injury history is worth $150 million. But in a market where a attacking midfielder is worth $100 million, then Kane's proven goal scoring record is worth at least 150. Like that's the thing is the market is bananas and makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be throwing that kind of money around for players who have only been in the league for two seasons and are, you know, prospects that you don't kind of know how they're going to turn out, then somebody like Kane, where, you know, you're buying 30 goals a season, at least. Yeah. He's going to be worth that type of money. Levy is, very, very shrewd when it comes to negotiations for our players. He gets top dollar for guys that we sell, and he tries to sell our players for good money as well. And I, just in this scenario, I there's no reason for him to back down from that position. There's no reason for him to say, oh, Manchester City, in theory, a club that's a rival to us. I'm going to sell you our, you know, Rolls Royce of a striker for a cut price just because I like you. Like, that's not going to happen. So uh, with this whole transfer saga, like if City want them, they need to start trying to make something happen. Otherwise, it's all paper talk. It's all nonsense. It's all, you know, Harry Kane's brother agent attempting to stir up nonsense so he can leave the club. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to stay at a club, don't sign a six-year contract. Like, that, that's kind of on you. Yeah. And I think he's just, he's just going to come in and keep playing. I mean, even with all this silliness that he's had with his, well, he, he completely and stuff, but I mean, he'll come in, he'll play. I'd rather him stay at, at uh, Spurs because that would be a far more entertaining for the whole league. Honestly, if he goes to City, that's, they're going to walk the title yeah. if he goes there. Yeah. But, so. uh, you know, la- last week I famously said I didn't think he was the type of player who would refuse to train and or do any of that stuff. And then literally 24 hours later, he's not showing up when the club expected him to. Uh, and in the last week, there was tons of stuff swirling around online about him 
uh, and not being loyal to the club and all that jazz. And it obviously bothered him because he issued like an apology and an excuse on Friday. Right. Asserting that he'd never refused to train and this was always part of the plan, which either the club or him are lying because the club said he was expected back Monday and he says he wasn't supposed to be last right. Monday. So the point is like he tried him and his brother tried their little stunt. It obviously did not work very well. So now I feel like he feels the pressure to demonstrate his professionalism again. So yeah, if city don't come in, he's, he's going to be stuck playing for us. And I expect him to go about that and, you know, be yeah. professional about it, but it's, it's telling that he attempted to be kind of like the, want away bad boy player for about a week before people being mean on the internet got to him yeah to be fair people are terrible on the internet yeah. but at the same time like don't be the guy who's like refusing to show up for training and then act like you weren't doing that all right yep so we will see how this unfolds uh there's still you know two and a half weeks left until the transfer window closes so plenty of time for lots of drama to ensue uh, for City, for Spurs, and uh, moving on to the biggest question mark for Lionel Messi in Barcelona. Now, the I... Cra- like the craziest thing I've ever seen in sports, I besides just, Leicester I, winning the title. I, I didn't understand when it first came out of like he's decided to leave. And, and you know, I see this and I'm thinking, you know, two weeks ago or whatever, I'm, I had seen that he was re-signing. It was all agreed. He's coming back. Like, it was done. And then it comes out that they don't have the money to pay him, which mm-hmm. is unreal because you, you hear that he's taken a 50% contract cut to what he's getting, and they still aren't able to, to figure it out. So first off... How does Barcelona let it get to this point where they're in such financial shambles? And why do they go out and sign three fairly costly players in mm-hmm. um, Memphis Depay, Sergio Aguero, and Eric Garcia before making sure that your talisman, your greatest player of all time, the potential greatest player of all time? I was going to say, not just your pl- greatest player soccer, of all time possibly the greatest player of all time in the entire history of the game. And you don't commit the money to him first. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a finance guy, but uh, I can't possibly justify how you fail on that level to, like you said, secure the, the greatest asset that you have above all else. And I look at some of the signings they made the pie and Garcia. Okay. Aguero is an aging striker. He's not in his prime. Why you're spending money on him and his wages when you are not able to re-sign Lionel Messi it is mind-blowing to me. I, the, the level of incompetence on the part of the board at that club to allow something like that to happen is like unfathomable to me. And they're not the only club... So we're, we've been talking about this a lot. Inter Milan are, have also somehow gotten themselves in a situation where they need to have a fire sale to avoid like going bankrupt. They won the title last season with 
Conte. They just sold Lukaku to Chelsea for like a bajillion dollars, and they're still in debt. And I don't understand how these these are massive clubs. I mean, Barcelona is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Inter Milan is one of the biggest clubs in Italy and well-known enough throughout the world. These are not teams that should be running out of money, and these are not teams that should not be able to manage finances. And I don't know if this was like a COVID thing where it messed their finances up more than they anticipated because I, you know, I think most of European football took at least some kind of financial hit from that, but yeah, it's inexcusable. And I, I think most people, if you listen to kind of the bigger news networks that cover this stuff, like ESPN and sky, it's kind of the same theme of like, how do you let that happen? Like yeah. that is one of the biggest blunders in sports management history. Unreal. And in, my initial thought to this is do what Inter's doing to just stick with the homegrown players that you have who probably aren't costing a ton mm-hmm. per week right now, like a Pedri uh, Puig scored this weekend also, by the way. <laughs> so he isn't just some <laughs> random person, um, but like him and, and some of these players that they've developed from within, who's probably not carrying big contracts. And then, you know, you might have to get rid of like Ter Stegen and Dembele and Pjanic and like Coutinho, players who don't even touch the field sometimes for them at this point. Even even Griezmann, who isn't a good fit for them, he has not been a good fit so far. Why not try and offload those players and then prioritize finding the funds to be able to pay Messi? So I think... I agree with you, but I think one of the things that makes that difficult is that when a club like Barcelona brings in a Coutinho or a Griezmann, they're putting them on wages that are out of reach for 95% of clubs on the planet. And so if, you know, and I'm just, this is pure spitballing example. I don't know if this is his actual contract. But if Griezmann's on 350K a week in the Premier League, almost every club has a wage cap where they're not paying anybody that much. The only exceptions would be probably Man City. In the Bundesliga, nobody's paying anybody that much. Like these guys, there's there's an interesting kind of lack of foresight from a business perspective of we bring Griezmann in and he's great. And we brought him in on these astronomical wages. And now the time comes where we're in a little bit of trouble and we need to maybe sell somebody and we can't because we're paying them a wage that is unattainable for most of the rest of the footballing community. And unlike Messi, most players are not going to take a pay cut just to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Certainly not to that degree. And like, you know, I remember hearing early in the window, like, Tottenham or Arsenal were interested in Coutinho the wages Coutinho's on would break both of those clubs wage structure they don't pay anybody that much money so it makes it hard to offload players when you bring them in at that level and so you get in a situation like this where you have a bunch of really expensive assets you cannot get rid of any of them and now your most prized and expensive but worth it asset of all of them has to leave because you mismanaged your finances. It's just, it's incredible that a club that big could make a mistake 
that like i don't know i feel like that's pretty basic yeah and maybe this is wishful thinking in my mind but you would think that players on that team if every single one of those players who has those astronomical contracts would have taken you know a two percent pay cut could that have kept him there too like why not look at having that conversation with everyone and why not if you are Depay and Aguero and Griezmann and all these big time players for them. Why would you not want to find every single potential option to keep a Messi there so that you can go win? Now, yeah. I mean, I can see that argument. I think that's expecting a lot of yeah, the that's wishful altruism of other players to just be like, I'll take a pay cut. So Messi can stay kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the more realistic kind of option of that is you will occasionally see players take a pay cut so that they can go somewhere where they get regular playing time. Right. So if there's guys kind of on the fringes of Barcelona who want to play somewhere else, but that somewhere else is not going to be able to pay their wages, you maybe consider taking a pay cut to do that. I don't know. It's and I think too one of the and I I don't have a hundred percent grasp of the situation but like la liga was also involved in telling barcelona like oh and by the way you can't just sign messi to a nonsense 10k a year contract now like you can't you can't fudge the rules like that so like barcelona messed up and then messi attempted to engineer a way for himself to stay by taking pay cuts and trying to work around it. And La Liga stepped in and said, yeah, 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 that's nonsense. You know, football manager stuff that you cannot do in real life. Sorry. (laughs) Which I kind of respect. Right. A league somewhere for enforcing rules about finances. But at the same time, it's like, it just wasn't going to happen. But yeah. And now it looks like, you know, his most likely destination or certainly the one that's getting the most attention is PSG. But again, you know, you got to wonder how does PSG sustain that? You got Ramos coming in. You got Donnarumma. Yeah, that's such an insane window Messi already. Now. You already have Neymar and Mbappe. Like, what's that club's finances going to look like in five years? Are they going to be in the same situation where they have all these overpaid, bloated wage bill athletes and they can't get rid of any of them? I think this is the last year Mbappe's on that team. I think he's he's due for that like huge move that huge next move whether it's gonna yeah he was linked with real i think real madrid or um does he potentially find his way to the premier league you know could he be the 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 missing striker that they need at manchester city you know you never know with with that type of player and the, the amount of money that he's gonna need there are really only a few destinations that he can go but yeah, well, that's the problem. It's like what clubs have the buying power to even bring Mbappe in? I know it's Man City, Bayern, and Real Madrid. The money piece Barcelona of on that list anymore. The money piece of soccer has just become un- unbelievably. It's insane, unreal. yeah. And to think like the they wanted to do this Super League to get even more money, and now you see why Barcelona was pushing for that so much. Maybe. Yeah, maybe some yeah, of them needed it. Needed to stay that afloat. money. Um, but yeah, Messi, Messi to PSG. If if that does come to fruition, a front three of Mbappe, Neymar, and, and Messi is quite terrifying, especially yeah, when you've not. also brought in two dynamic defenders who are 
especially Ramos, a really good leader. And mm-hmm. then probably the best goalkeeper in the world now in Donnarumma. You're pretty much going to, we know we talked about this earlier, like the teams that were at the top of the table last year, who do we expect to potentially walk the league and, and win trophies? PSG are going to win a lot of stuff this year if it comes together with all of those you know you got to balance the the egos and and deal with that side of the game too yeah but it's a in- it's a totally different like management task for pochettino managing a team like that where you've got like seven ferraris in the garage and you have to figure <laughs> out how to play with all of them but like it if they don't win that league you have to fire him Oh God! You, you cannot have that much talent and lose in the French league. Like the fact that they lost the league this year is embarrassing. But you can give him the uh, well, he took over partway through the year grace period. Even without Messi, if they don't win that league, you have to fire him. Mm-hmm. If they get Messi and they don't win that league, he might be banished from management forever because you can't <laughs> have that good of a team and not win. It's a, a FIFA Ultimate Team, literally. It is. It's literally. This is what like this is what. <laughs> This is what plebs who play video games pay thousands of dollars to assemble on Ultimate Team on FIFA. And he's going to have it in real life. Like, this is people's, like, dream fantasy career mode, like, 10 years into the season. And he has it in real life. If he does not walk the French League, that's failure. He has to, at minimum, win the French League, win the French Cup. And he needs to at least get to the final of the Champions League. Otherwise... That is just a catastrophic disappointment with the team that he has. Uh, It's going to be, it's going to be very fun to see whichever way it goes in, in this circumstance here, but he definitely has every piece that he could possibly have ever wanted. And now he's got to have to figure out the way to make it work best while also managing minutes, managing the ego and, the expectations, the weight of the expectations that they have on this team now. Which is like the complete opposite from where he came from with Spurs, where he was just constantly overachieving and not getting investment. This is now the the test of his true ability as a manager. He, He can't say he hasn't been backed. He has literally some of the best players on the planet in his starting 11. Mm -hmm. And now it's just, can you go out and play an effective style of football with that team, manage those egos and, and actually win things. And I think if he passes that test, awesome. What a step up to go from Spurs to that. And then it'll prove that he always had that potential when he was at Spurs and we just didn't back him. But yeah, I mean, it's huge, huge. I don't know if there's a manager in world football right now under that, who will have that high of expectations going into the season for what they need to achieve. For sure. Very exciting moment for him to see uh, see how he goes uh, in this next step. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully, this messy bit gets sorted in the next you know a couple of days, and we can see where he ends up, and uh, he can kind of get into the swing of everything. But let's take uh, let's take a next step here and, and kind of look ahead to the weekend. We have the Premier League kicking off finally. Um, I'm just kind of looking through what some of the games are and just want to throw this out there as one of the most interesting team names I've ever seen as I'm just looking at games that are going on this weekend. There is a team in the Eredivisie, 
Eredivisie. Eredivisie in the Netherlands. Their team name is the Go Ahead Eagles. I, I mean, I've heard of them. Have you? Never. You never heard of the Go Ahead? The Eagles? Go Ahead. No, I've. <laughs> what a stellar team name. That's like right up there with the Orlando Pirates that I think play in like South African League or something. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. like a baseball sounding team name. Oh my God. Go ahead. Just go ahead, Eagles, <laughs> to keep an eye on them. Um, but Premier League gets kicked off this weekend. I think the biggest game is actually your Spurs versus Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't a ton of other big ones to kind of point out. I think the one that I want to kind of mention is. Liverpool versus Norwich. Can Norwich come up this year? And Liverpool, I want to see the, the the return to what they were two years ago. You know, mm-hmm. with all the people healthy, uh, with the additions that they've made, uh, they still potentially need to go out and get a striker, get another attacking option uh, to to kind of complement Firmino uh, and mm-hmm. change the approach at certain times. Uh, but how does Jurgen Klopp bring them back to where they were a couple of years ago. And then Norwich is probably the team that I think I'm just going to tie myself to in the Premier League this year, since Fulham is not there uh, mainly because Josh Sargent just got transferred. We mentioned this before uh, last week, but that has officially gone through. He is uh, now on Norwich coming from Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga two uh, because they got relegated Chances that we get a first weekend upset, Norwich versus Liverpool. Uh, I mean, if if Liverpool are very leggy and don't look at the races, then I think Norwich is a team that can definitely surprise them. It reminds me of like Liverpool Leeds early in the season last year where Leeds' fitness and just attacking play kind of caught them out a little bit. Um, I mean, it's possible of the teams that just came up. I think they've probably got the best shot of upsetting somebody this weekend. Brentford have Arsenal on Friday. I, I can't necessarily see them winning that game as much as it know. would, as much as it would make me happy to see. I don't know. Arsenal they are, build. they are the home team, but like, again, on paper, Arsenal should have more than enough talent to win that yes. game. Um, Watford have Aston Villa. Aston Villa are going to be dangerous this year. I know they lost Graylish, but like they they brought in Danny Yangs, like a proven goal scorer, which is what they lack. And like there's still plenty of pieces in that team for them to be useful this season. So I think Watford week one probably going to lose. Um, Also got. Leon Bailey from Leverkusen. Leon Bailey, Buendia, like that they've added some pieces. And I mean they just, they just got that. they just got how much money for Graylish. Yeah. So who's to say they're even done in the transfer window? Like free transfer for Ashley Young. Ashley Young. <laughs> coming back. But so I mean, of the three, I think Norwich probably has the best shot, even though they're playing arguably the strongest opponent. Um Another game I'd have my eye on on Saturday is Man U Leeds. Yeah, uh, cuz that's just going to be bonkers attacking football for 90 minutes and probably end like 5-3 or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Probably we'll see Sancho make his debut. Right, Sancho and Varane potentially making debuts. Uh 
so that'll be a good game. And then, you know, Tottenham City is the big one on Sunday. Uh, Spurs won our last warm-up game. Uh, if you count the Community Shield, City lost their last one on, on a penalty. Uh, I got to be honest with you, I'd rather play a team like City super early in the season before they really get into their like we're gonna stomp on any everybody mode like you could you could catch them when they're not sharp and they're not as fit as they will be two months into the season uh i don't know if kane plays uh he's eligible i think but if he doesn't play it's gonna be interesting to see how nuno tries to crack that city defense open uh, going to be my question to you. Does does Kane just come out and score a hat-trick in this game and just basically go up to Pet and say, are you not entertained? Buy me now. <laughs> I mean, if Kane goes out and scores a hat-trick in that game, Levy's going to increase the price by $50 million on the spot. <laughs> so like, I, I don't think Kane can win in the scenario. Either he goes out against City, plays terribly, and they don't want to buy him because he's bad, or he goes <laughs> out and just has a worldie against them and – it makes it harder for them to negotiate for him. Right. I mean, I don't think he can really win in that scenario. If he plays, no matter how he performs, it's probably bad for him in terms of trying to get that move. Right. Um, wanted to talk about one interesting transfer story that you sent to me that came out of completely oh, came yes, out of left yeah. field, but also we talked about Inter Milan being a financial shambles right now and potentially needing to sell anything with a pulse. Um, you texted me really early in the morning the other day. You're like, Spurs are in for Latauro Martinez from Inter. And I'm like, what? I'm like half asleep. Uh, no, hadn't heard of it the day before. And I go on Tottenham's Reddit and it's just all stories about going after Martinez. And I'm like, my God, if we pull that transfer off, that would be something. Um, so he certainly, even if we got him, he wouldn't be in in time to play against city or anything like that but i'd be interested to see if we could actually pull a move like that off and then if we don't sell kane if we end up having two forwards of that level plus him and son still in the team weighing with goals like I, I would really like that attack that would maybe maybe change my mind about us not having a shot of competing for top four uh i think we still need some defensive reinforcements but that would be a that would be a pretty dope front line that would be, I think it would fit in the way that Nuno wants to play too. I feel like he likes to have a two striker front. He likes to have then kind of the, these outside back wingers that, Wing backs, that yeah. fly. And, you know, does he even put like Sun underneath of Kane and Martinez and, and have him play more centrally? Uh, there are a lot of very exciting attacking options that I feel like could be presented if that move happens and you keep Kane mm -hmm. or if not, and you play him alongside a son up top. Yeah. Either way, it's really, really exciting. Like even if we didn't keep Kane, Martinez is so young that like, you know, if he comes into England and he can actually perform in the Premier league, which is always the question mark when guys come in from other leagues, it doesn't always work out, but like, He's like 23, 24 tops. Yeah. He comes in to this league and he plays well. It might lessen the sting of losing a Harry Kane mm -hmm. significantly. Um, I think he could come in and be quite successful. I feel like he is a physical player. Along he's talented, with yeah. Having the technical and speed to go with that. 
Um, that's a huge thing to always come into the prem. And if you ha have that physicality piece, I feel like you can be very successful. I mean, Eric Lamella was a destroyer of worlds in this Tottenham team purely because he's a lunatic who just presses people and tackles. Guys, like you love to buy Argentinians. Well, that's the thing too, is like, you know, I see a story like that and I'm like, Schmitty, get a hold of yourself, pipe dream. You're never going to sign a player of that quality. But then I look at our team and we're slowly just assembling the spine of Argentina's national team because we signed the center uh, back as well, right? Romero. We have La Celso already. We had Lamella and Lamella like loved us. So I can't imagine anybody he talks to from the Argentina team. I can't imagine he'd be like, yeah, don't go to Spurs because he yeah. loved it here. So that's like the only thing that kind of makes me think maybe something crazy like that could happen just because maybe a lot of those guys play for us. And we, we seem to be at Palo Gazaniga played for us. Pochettino yep. was Argentinian when he was here. So we just seem to have a good kind of vibe with uh, Argentinian players, but I don't know. If that goes through, then I'd be happy to have not happy, but I'd be a lot less disappointed to say goodbye to Kane. And if we somehow got him and kept Kane, then I'd actually be optimistic for once going into a season, which would be a weird experience for me. <laughs> uh, I, I do hope that goes through. I think he's just another player that I would like to see in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, I, I do enjoy watching Serie A, and I think it has made a little bit of a comeback over the past two years. Uh, but it's just, it's a different type of game in Italy. And, and it's, I feel like it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more exciting in the Premier League and, and how they play. So I hope he comes. That would be a great signing for Spurs. It'd be great for the league. Uh, and there's, like I said, there's still a few weeks left in this transfer window. I think there's going to be plenty of movement still to come. Uh, so, yeah, that that about wraps this episode up, though. And we are very excited for the Premier League to be back. Um, in our last episode, we did discuss a little bit of kind of what we thought for teams at the top, teams at the bottom. Um, and I'm sure we will be proven wrong immediately uh, this weekend. So we will see how all these games shake out. Definitely tune in on Sunday to the City Spurs game. I think it's early on Saturday is the Leeds United game. Definitely tune yep. in for that one. Uh, and then the late one on Saturday is that Liverpool versus Norwich game to pay attention to as well. But thank you very much for tuning in again to another episode of the Sunday Soccer Show with Schmidt and Greg. Schmidt, it's always a pleasure and enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you, sir.